another day is through. Someone slipped and fell. Was that someone you? You may have longed for added strength, your courage to renew. Do not be disheartened, for I bring hope to you. It is no secret what God can do, what he's done for others, he'll do for you. With arms wide open, he'll pardon It is no secret what God can do. There is no night, for in his light you'll never walk alone. Always feel at home wherever you may roam. There is no power can conquer you while God is on your side. Just take him at his promise and there. Run away and hide. Run away and hide. It is no secret. Everybody, what God can do what he's done for others he'll do for you with arms wide open he'll pardon you it is no secret what All right, let's try this again. Now take our scriptures this morning and we'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10. Things like what has happened, happens rather infrequently around here. I tend to think that when uh, we come to the preaching of the Word of God, everybody's on the same page, prepared to do the same thing. Uh, I expect that usually somebody who's going to have the special music, they'd be right up here. And it's like I come to the pulpit and we're, we're ready there. We're ready to call the play on the field. And I'm ready to call for the hike. And I'm ready to call hike and the ball's not coming. <laughs> so the ball came and we've had, the, we've had the good song this morning. Thank you, Richard, for that effort on the Word of God. It's a, it is no secret what God can do. You know, I think about the scriptures through the week, and we're in Matthew's chapter 10, looking at verses 26 to 31, and uh, Jesus was talking about not fearing things and what's going on in life. Remember, we were there last week, but having put your finger there in Matthew's gospel, go to Luke chapter 12 for a moment. 
Luke chapter 12, and I want you to look at me at verse 1, because I want you to get a sense of what Jesus is trying to say here. If Jesus said it, it's got to be important, because Jesus is the Son of God, he's God, and Jesus makes no mistake in what he says. But in Luke chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, in the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people. How many people is that? Well, you can't number the people. There were just so many that were there. How many were there? Well, it says, insomuch that they trod one upon another. Now, that's a crowd, people. That's a crowd. I mean, here are these people. They're packed in. They're, they're gathered so many. They're stepping on each other. And he began to say unto his disciples, first of all. So you got this massive crowd. And with all these people jostling one another, he says to the disciples, this is what he says. Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now it almost seems like, while you got this crowd out here, you're missing the opportunity you've got. Jesus speaking to a whole crowd. Why in the world are you talking to the disciples? Well, you need to understand what the, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees is. The evil influence of the Pharisees. And the evil influence is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is just another way of saying they're, they're a bunch of phonies. A bunch of phonies. It's like a evangelist I heard preached on the phony baloney. Phony baloney. They were phony baloney. Uh, the truth was covered in their lives. It's like they're, they're wearing masks. They're, they're appearing to be something that they're not. They're fake. And he uses the same statement in verse 2 where he says, For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be made known. And Jesus uses the same idea, the same phrase here. And what it means is that someday, listen, one of these days, the truth is going to be known. Hypocrites are going to be unmasked. The truth about who are the righteous ones are really going to be made known. In Luke chapter 11, verse 33, he uses the same word again. He said, when one lights a lamp, he does not put it in a cellar or under a bushel. Uh, that's a, that way you would say, that's a stupid thing to do to light. I mean, for, for instance, I always thought as a kid, if you're going to have a candle and it's going to be out of light, why in the world do you want to put it under a bushel basket? You're going to burn up the bushel basket, you know. Or you understand a principle, if you, you put a bucket over a candle, eventually the candle's going to go out because it snuffs all the oxygen out of the air. Uh, you don't do that, you know. It'd be a stupid thing to light a lamp and then stick a pot on it so nobody could see the light. He said, but you take the light and you put it on a lampstand so that people who enter in can see the light. And that's what exactly God is asking us to do. He's, he's saying, look, you've got a candle, you light it, let everybody see it. Nothing is secret. He said in our passage, neither and nothing is secret, neither shall not be made manifest, neither anything hidden that shall not be known come and shall not be known come to light. Father, help us this morning. We try to think properly about how to say the truth of the word of God in the way that it'll honor you. We would say with the hymn writer, when on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. What we do in secret is when they're going to be known openly. But help us to understand the importance of that phrase in the light of the text so that we might make proper application.
to our hearts and to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God's going to bring everything to light one of these days. And what's going to be known is the real value of our lives. What is the real thing? Uh, you know, a lot of us are concerned about our reputation. But if we're concerned about our reputation, we might lose our reward and glory. But that's a choice that people can make. A choice. People might have a wrong value system. Well, if we got a wrong value system, one of these days it's going to be revealed in glory, if not already before you pass away. Right. We, don't, we don't need to be afraid of the world. What our Lord is saying is, is very important. Here in Matthew chapter 10, uh, he's saying you don't need to be afraid of the world. The world is a temporary thing. Now, admittedly, we so much living, accustomed day by day by day, we think this world's going to go on forever. But the world is so temporary. So whatever they say about you right now, it's just temporary in comparison to eternity. Whatever they may do as they react to you in this world, someday God's going to vindicate you for living right. You think of what Jesus said in the book of the Revelation, chapter 22. He said this, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. I'm coming back. When I come back, I'm going to reward everybody according to as their work shall be. Now, when Paul talks about that, when he talks to the Corinthians, he said, now look, he said the day is going to come when, uh, when the believers are going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ, which is not the great white throne judgment. I've pointed this out before. Judgment seat of Christ is for believers only. We've got an appointment. One of these days, when the church is called home, we will meet at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, we use the term judgment there, which is the word bima. And it, it means a type of process that's going to be due to it's a pro, It's a judgment for reward. It's not a judgment uh, to determine whether or not you're saved or whether you're not. If you're there, you're there because you're saved. It's one of those times that Paul says every man will have praise of God. But in the process of being there, everything about our life will be subject to his intense scrutiny. And that which is wood, hay, or stubble is going to be consumed. But that which is gold, silver, precious stones shall remain. So, you know, we might not have everything, have everything right in our own lives right now. But one of these days, the judgment seat of Christ is going to reveal and at that time, some will suffer loss, some people won't. Now, the suffering of the loss is not going to call you, cause you anguish. Sometimes people get the idea, man, we're, we're, I've said it before, they got this idea, God's going to pull down a screen. And all of your life is going to be portrayed as if it were a Hollywood movie. And everybody can know everything about your life. That's not <laughs> going to happen. You, you scare people about going to heaven. You don't have to scare me about heaven. I'm not afraid of going there. I say, I'm not afraid of meeting Jesus. Amen. What do I have to be concerned about? He paid it all. Right. Twice payment, Jesus Christ will not demand first at my bleeding Savior's hand and then again at mine. You will not, you will not, you will not be judged for eternity. 
and whether or not you're worthy of eternity at the judgment seat of Christ. Huh. God's going to use it at a time. He's going to bless your heart like you've never been blessed before. I tell you what, we need to live with that heavenly perspective. You're not going to threaten me with heaven. You don't need to threaten me about the things that I have here. I'm not taking anything with me when I go. Solomon, when he wrote in Ecclesiastes, chapter 11 and verse 9, he says, Now rejoice, O young man. You're concerned about young men? I'm going to talk about young men tonight in the evening service. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. It's like Solomon is saying, look, live it up. Do your thing. You're young. And he says this, but know that for all these things will God bring you into judgment. God's not a killjoy. You ought to love your life. You ought to enjoy your activities. I mean, you're seeking to honor God. You ought to take joy in that. It's not the idea of, you know, sow your wild oats now and then later on you're going to reap your shredded wheat. That's not the idea. But the idea is this. Remember what you sow, you're going to reap. In the next chapter, chapter 12 and verse 14, he says the conclusion of the whole deal. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14. He says, fear God, keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of God. Now, why is that? Why should we do that? He says, for because God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing. God's going to open it all up. I mean, I think people have this idea, Brother Richard, uh, I'm going to sow what I want to, but I'm going to pray God there won't be a harvest. Listen, you can sow what you want to, but I'm going to guarantee you there's going to be a harvest. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap, right? So, beloved, the perspective we want to have is, look, God's going to look at the record of our lives. And God's going to expose everything. And those who look like they were winners are going to turn out to be eternal losers. And losers might be persecuted for their faith are going to find out that they're the winners. God's got a plan that we don't see. We don't necessarily understand it. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, and remember in the context of Matthew chapter 10, he's talking about disciples, the learners, the people that are going out, they're going to be the apostles, the people who are going to live for the Lord. Don't be afraid of what the world does. Well, how can we not be afraid? Well, look, look for eternal vindication. You got to look past the people in this world. Now, there's a second idea in the thought in the passage here in Matthew's gospel I want to share with you. Not only is the fact that there's going to be a vindication, but there's going to be a vindication because of another key word, and I want to use the word veneration. Now, veneration is not a word you're going to find in the text, but it's an idea. John Calvin, that Swiss reformer, was banished from Geneva, and he was banished because he stood up and he said, this is the truth of the word of God. This is what God says. You say the church says this. I'm telling you this is what God says. And he said this, quote, 
Most assuredly, if I had merely served man, this would have been a poor recompense, being kicked out of Geneva. He says, but it is my happiness that I have served him who never fails to reward his servants to the full extent of his promises, end quote. God never fails in his promises. I, John Calvin was saying, look, they threw me out of town. If I was serving a man, that would have been a bad situation. But you know, I wasn't serving man. I was serving God. God will keep all of his promises, people. He will. And that is essentially what we come to the second point, this idea of veneration. In other words, if you really worship God and you fear God, then why in the world fear people? If we love God, we will not fear people. Look at verse 27 here in Matthew chapter 10. Verse 27, 28, he says, whatever, what's the next word? Whatever, what's the second word? Who is the I? Who is Jesus? How does God tell us things? Word, all right. Now look, whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now he's trying to say again to us is, listen, don't fear people. Fear God. If you fear God enough and you honor God enough and you revere God and you venerate God, you're not going to be concerned about other people. You have, Listen, if you... If you have enough fear of God, you're not going to have the fear of man. Now let's back up a little bit with what he says in verse 27. Most, I think it's interesting here. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. The whole idea is this, is Jesus saying, that, look, I've been, I've been telling you secrets in your ear. Now get this, you've got all these people hanging around and so forth. But he's saying directly to his disciples, look, see, I've been talking with you guys. I'm not preaching to a crowd. He said, I'm going to talk to you. I'm not talking to your neighbor. I'm talking to you. All right. He said, what I've said to you, I've been telling you in your ear. I've been telling you the truth of the word of God in your ear. Now, I told you the truth. I want you to go tell the truth. I say that because, you know, you need to understand there are no secrets. It is no secret what God can do. Right, Richard? There are no secrets. Little lady comes along and she writes about the secrets of a Christian life. There are no secrets in a Christian life. There's no secrets whatsoever. I mean, somebody comes along from the loyal order of the mice and the meese and the so forth, and they say, you know, you join our lodge, we have these, these secret, secret things that we, we do. When it comes to God's work, there are no secrets. Secrets are, are not a Christian perspective. There's nothing in Christianity at all that says anything that at all that smacks of being secret. Jesus said, what I tell you in the darkness, you speak in the light, and what you hear in your, in your ear, you shout it from the housetops. There are no secrets. It was a custom in our time when the Lord was here, and he was teaching that rabbis would teach, teach their students. He would, they would speak to them. And they would stand by. You see a rabbi walking along and all these people huddling around him. 
and they're, they're busy talking, not talking to the whole populace, he's talking to the rabbis, talking to his little disciples. And they're, they're whispering this and they're talking this just amongst themselves. You don't know what's hearing on you because you're not one of the disciples, you're not with them. And they're, they're talking around and so forth, they're whispering in their ears. He said, now that's what I'm doing to you. Now, watch something. One thing I want you to understand, he said, I tell you in the darkness, speak it in the light. What you hear in the ear, you, you proclaim it. If I've, if I've talked to you out of the word of God, that's what you talk about. Whatever I tell you, whatever you hear, that's what you say. In other words, there's nothing that we hold back. If we've been taught by God, this is what God says. We don't hide it. We go ahead and we say what God has said. There are no secrets. Now, sometimes people get the idea, you know, you know, you ought to tone down what you're saying because if you got out of this church and you found other people, the people won't want to listen to what you have to say. Well, what I have to say is what God says. All right? I'm not to say anything more than what God says or less than what he says. People say, well, you've got to have a different approach to getting the word of God out there. You know, people, who was it? Bill Bright came along with the Campus Crusade for Christ track. This was years ago. And some of you may have read the church the track, and it says, God has a wonderful plan for your life. Now, quite frankly, he's got a wonderful plan for everybody's life. If you're on the right side of the plan, you rejoice. If you're on the wrong side of the plan, it's an awesome plan, and you don't want to see it come to fruition in your life. But the approach of the tract was, uh, do you want to be happy? Do you want joy? Do you want peace? Huh. Do you want happiness? You read the track and it just doesn't tell you anything about the opposite. I mean, by the time you got through the list, people are willing to sign up. Yeah, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. But you know, you know very well, if you, you go to work tomorrow morning and you find a friend on the place where you work, whether it's an assembly line or a marketplace or somewhere, and you say, hey, I got something you need to hear, hear about. You know, there's a God in heaven who's going to judge you for your sin. If you don't get your heart right, you're going to die and go to hell. And you'll, you'll regret that you failed to listen to the gospel message. You know what's going to happen to you? You might lose your job. You tell somebody they're in danger of hellfire forever if you don't give their heart to Christ. They're going to react to that. Huh. What? Going to go to hell forever? Yeah. There's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now, Jesus said that, didn't he? Yeah, there's going to be a place. But you know, if you know what God said, you say what God said. But you know that people don't want to talk about that. We want to say, well, you know, I, I do know some truth, but I just want to keep it secret for a while. Because if I don't keep it secret and I let it out there, people are going to get scared. It's like a fam famous uh, chaplain of Bourbon Street one day. I was talking one time and he said, yeah. He said, uh, I would appreciate you put out that cigarette because if you don't put out that cigarette, something terrible is going to happen to you. And he happened to be standing near a place where the guy was pumping gas. You know? <laughs> oh, I tell you. You need to say to be said in the way it needs to be said, when it needs to be said. 
Not only that, Jesus said, you say only what you hear from me. Now, some of you know the sum of that verse. You tell them, it means this, you tell them what I told you, nothing less, nothing more. That's it. It's very simple to define your life as a Christian, your ministry as a child of God. Verse 27 says, you, you go in the secret and you learn the secret. You find the place of quietness. I mean, you talk to your God, you talk to your Lord, you study the word, you pour over the word and you look over the principles of the word of God and you pour your heart out to God. And you say, God, will you use me? Will you get me in touch with somebody this week? Because I want to share them your truth and I want to share it out of a heart that's right. So now when you do that, you go out there and you speak it. Now this thing about housetops, how does that fit in? People don't shout from their housetops. Well, we got to think about culturally at the, the time when Jesus was here. All right. In those days, announcements were made from housetops. Well, why are they made from housetops? Well, most of the houses had those little flat roofs. The short wall around the edge to keep people from falling off. Kind of like a patio at the top of the house. Sometimes people slept up there. Had birthday parties up there. Get-togethers for neighbors. Sometimes they'd sit up there at night. The heat of the day after the heat of the day and lay out there and watch the stars. And they didn't live like we live. But in those days, if you want to make an announcement, you just stood up on the edge of your roof and you hollered. Hello down there! Hello down there! Hello down there! They made their announcements. If you're on a high roof, you could accomplish maybe a little bit more. You know, they, they didn't have any cars running up and down the roads with their boom boxes banging. Noise everywhere, you know, chariots, the clanking of the wheels. People weren't locked in their little boxes. People were out in the streets, they were in the fields. When they came home, they came home for rest. They, they didn't have necessarily have windows. They didn't have TVs, no smartphones. Really, smartphones are dumb phones. They didn't have any dumb phones. If you had something they wanted to share, you yelled it out. The idea is, you know, you use your voice to make it public. You go out and you tell it from the housetops. Maybe the housetop today is a radio. It might be television or it might be some type of a public message. But you got to get out and share your message wherever you can. You can't be standing around telling each other, we, everybody... We need to be saved because we've all been saved for years. I've always thought, what if, if all we had were saved people come to church all the time? That's all we ever had. It almost seems senseless to preach you must be born again to people who have already been born again. What are we, Church of Christ? You got to get saved again and again and again and again and again? That'd be a waste of city water. Never, nobody ever got saved by city water. There's a fountain filled with water drawn from a city main and the sinners plunge beneath that flood keep all their guilty stained. No. He said, look, I've been telling you secrets. And since I've told you a secret, it's no longer a secret. I'm going to explain the truth to you. And so you go out and share the truth that I've shared with you. Don't alter the message for fear of what the reaction is going to be. You go out there and you do it. You say, but it's going to cost something to do it. It might cost me loss. Listen, the Apostle Paul knew that. Paul, the Apostle Paul, let me be very practical. I mean, this guy was always under the gun. 
They kept saying to Paul, Paul, listen, you go up to Jerusalem and you preach the message that you're going to preach. You know what's going to happen to you, Paul? They're going to put you in jail. Paul said, I didn't know that. No, he said, I know that. I know they're going to put me in jail. That's right. Abigail, the prophet, came out and he gave him a demonstration. He said, Paul, let me have your belt. So he took off his belt. His robe didn't fall off, by the way. He didn't have pants to hold on. He had a red robe, but he took the belt off. And he took the belt and he wrapped it around Paul's hands. He said, now that's what's going to happen to you. You're going to, they're going, you're going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to make you a prisoner. But he went anyway. Somebody comes along and says, Brother Chad, he was disobeying what the prophet said. No, he wasn't disobeying what the prophet said. The prophet didn't say, don't go up to Jerusalem. He said, if you go up to Jerusalem. And so he went because he was doing what he believed God wanted him to do. God saved him on the road to Damascus. And he said, I, he said, I want to speak for my Lord. So he went. And he knew because the prophet said, if you go, this is what's going to happen to you. And it happened. And Paul said, look. I just simply wanted to say what God wanted to me to say as long as he wanted me to say it. Don't pull the punches. I'm not going to tell you more than what he said. Public place. You go out and you shout it from the housetops. Well, initially you might look at that and say, well, if I say something, it's going to cause some problems. People are going to react. And the fact is, that's true. People are going to react. Rabbis would, would teach. And religious people like the rabbis would climb up on their housetops with a trumpet at the reproach of any religious holiday. In fact, I think the minarets as they are today in Islamic countries are kind of like a carryover from that. They get up in the minarets and they, they used to be, they used to shout it and then they used tape recorders and now they use some other Gene, uh, means of getting it out some type of electronics to call people to prayer Josephus writes about the time when a mob, a mob chased him and he went up on the roof of the house while the mob was outside he tried to calm them from the top of the roof it's a very common thing it's just public forum you get out there and you talk in your public forum you get the message out there you shout it wherever it needs to be heard say nothing less nothing more than what the word of God says you know, in a real sense, our message is limited. Limited. That's why it's so important. Listen, to the, listen. you mark this down. It's serious when Christians eliminate part of the message. Or it's dangerous when Christians get another message in addition to the one that they already got from God. Now, if you get a, give a something else, then people get confused about what the message is. Well, you say, well, what's going to happen? Well, Jesus said, listen, fear not. In other words, don't be afraid. This won't happen. But fear not them that kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Who is that? Who can kill the bodies but not the soul? Men. Men? No. People who can kill the body but not the soul is just a simple designation for men. What can men do? That's not the real problem. The worst they can do to you is kill your body. But killing your body is not killing you.
You're going to live forever. You know, Paul came to a place in his life. He said, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Dying isn't a problem, so don't worry about it. But it said, Jesus said, but fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, who's that? That's God. In fact, Satan himself is going to be destroyed there. You know, Satan doesn't have the keys of heaven and earth and hell. You read Revelation chapter 1 again, God says that. Jesus said, I'm the one. I've got the keys to heaven and hell. So he's using the idea of killing the body and he compares it with destroying to show that to show that God has much more power than what people have. That's a wonderful comparison. He's not saying if you don't live the, the right kind of Christian life, God's going to send you to hell. That is not the point. The point is we're to fear the one who can determine the destiny of the soul, not the ones who can determine the destiny of the body. You see that? Yeah, people can kill your body, but they can't kill your soul. It's a comparison between what men can do and what God can do. So don't fear men. Fear God. And that's the issue in the text. So if there comes an occasion where you have an opportunity to communicate Christ and to witness, you might say, well, if I do this, I know I'm going to catch it. It might be your family. Family can get mad at you. Maybe you're not mom or dad and you might figure your family's going to kick you out of the family. You say, I don't, I, don't want, I, don't want to, I don't want that to happen. Well, then you fear them more than you fear God. But if you really feel, feared God in the sense that of his reverence and his infinite holy and majesty and the blessedness of his name, if you worship him as he ought to be worshipped, you would speak on his behalf with any threat that stood in your way. That's the way it ought to be. But whenever you opt out of that, I mean, you said, I fear men more than God. That's silly because the worst thing that men could possibly do is just kill your body. But God is the one who determines your eternal destiny. Now, you say, that doesn't make any sense. Well, as I said after Sunday school this morning, it didn't make any sense. I'll be glad to talk with you about it. To me, it makes sense. What do we do? We use every day to live for the Lord, to speak for his honor and his glory. Amen. Don't worry about what people can do. Maybe you had a tough time this week. Maybe you're one of God's people who did catch flack because you used your mouth to speak for the Lord. One of the things I pray about in the morning is... Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. You pray about, Lord, will you help me use my mouth properly? And the truth that I know that you've spoken my heart about, let me just speak publicly about it. Now, if you're willing to do that, God will add his blessing to your life.